You know, you know, like that term power couple, you know, it's like, uh, you know, remember when, uh, you know, when Angelita and Angelina and uh, Brad Pitt were together, right? And, and what would you call them? You would call them Brangelina, right? That would be the power couple, Brangelina or Kim and Kanye. What do you call them? Kimye, right? You call them Kimye. How many know what I'm talking about? Some of you just completely lost. Don't even know what I'm talking about right now. All the young people, help them out, okay? Kimye, all right? That's kind of the power couple term, all right? So if it, Zachariah and Elizabeth, we're just going to call them Zachabeth, okay? Zachabeth, okay? They're the power couple of the Christmas story that is often overlooked. But they're, they're, they're pretty sweet, pretty sweet deal in this story. And there's so much about this story that's relevant to us. So we're going to look at Luke 1. And I'm going to, there's so much in this story, but I'm going to highlight different portions of scripture from Luke 1, 5, all the way to verse 66. Is everybody with me right now? All right, let me read this to you. And, and, and everything I've said so far is going to just kind of continue to be the woven thread through this whole thing. But there was in the days of Herod, verse 5, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the division of Abijah. This is a, a group of priests, huge group. His wife of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth, and they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinance of the Lord, blameless. But they had no child. Everybody say no child. Because Elizabeth was barren, and they were both well advanced in years. That is a politically correct statement we see early in the scriptures. Okay. And so Zechariah, after this, he is picked to be the priest to represent the people in these special services on behalf of the people and bring the prayers before God and burn incense before God. Skip down to verse 11. Here's what happens. Then it says, while he's in there doing that, Zachariah's in there doing, going, going to church, doing what a priest does. It says, the angel of the Lord appeared to him standing at the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zachariah saw him, he was troubled and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to Zachariah, they always say, you know, don't be, a pra- don't be afraid. Right, I always say that. Who would not be afraid if a monster angel stood beside you? I just, why? Anyway, um, he says, for your prayers, Zechariah, uh, is heard. And your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. So he obviously been praying. They've been praying to have what? They've been praying to have a child, okay? And then the, and you're going to name him John, and you will have joy and gladness. Everybody say joy and gladness. So the result of this answered prayer is joy and gladness. And many will rejoice at his birth, and he will be great in the sight of the Lord. And then the Lord, in, in the following verses, gives some restrictions to John and some, the way he must behave. And then you skip down to verse 18. And it says, And Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? So now the priest pushes back with doubt. He questions the big angel. Okay, how many know that's not a good idea? Okay, not a good idea to question angels. Just just a thought. So for uh, for I am an old man and my wife, she really old. That's my translation. Okay, and and the angel answered and said to him, listen, this is cool. He says, I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God and was sent to speak to you and bring these glad tidings. But behold, you will be mute and not able to speak until the day these things take place. But you did not believe my words. And which will be fulfilled in their own time. So now, outside of this this uh, inner room where the angel's speaking to the priest, um, the people are waiting for Zachariah to come out. And basically, they're waiting for Zachariah to come out and bless them and pray for them. Okay, so they're outside. Skip down, uh, verse twenty-four to. I'm going to just summarize to verse thirty-eight. After these services, uh, he comes out. He can't talk. He goes home to his wife. Somehow he communicates, we're going to have a baby. And then she gets pregnant. 
And then concurrently, an angel visits Mary, uh, the mother of soon-to-be Jesus, and she is, she's pregnant, and then Mary comes to see Elizabeth. Is everybody with me? That's what's happened in the story. Skip ahead, verse 39. Now Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste to a city of Judah, and she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth, the power couple, Zachabeth. And it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary that the baby leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. So as soon as Mary comes through the door, the baby inside Elizabeth jumps, does backflips, sumos, I don't know what, 360s, I don't know what, but she's filled with the Holy Spirit as a result of that. Then she spoke with a loud voice. She begins to prophesy, blessed are you uh, among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb, but why is this granted to me? The mother of my Lord should come to me. For indeed, as soon as the voice of your greeting sounded in my ears, the baby leaped in my womb. For what? For joy. For joy. So she's got this joy. Verse 57. Now, verse 57 says, now Elizabeth's full time came to her for her to be delivered. So she's full term now. She brings forth a son. When her neighbors hear about it, they're like, this is so cool. We want to celebrate with you. Then on the eighth day, they decide, you know what? Uh, after, not only is the child to be circumcised, but it's time to name your child. And they go to name the child, and they assume that the name will follow the name of the father, who's Zechariah. And the mother, Elizabeth, says, no way, Jose, the name of our child is going to be John. And they're like, wait a minute, nobody does that. And then the people look at Zechariah, who's mute and can't speak, and say, what do you say about this? And so Zechariah says, give me a pen and paper. And so he gets a pen. It wasn't a pen, but anyway, it, was, it wasn't a Connect pen. It, was, it wasn't a Mont Blanc. No, it was just like, it was like some kind of writing utensils, rocks, and stuff like that. And he writes, I don't know, that's a long time ago. That was a Flintstone. Sorry about that. Uh, time warp. Um, but he starts writing down what his son's name is going to be, and he writes John. And as he writes the name John, he, be, he can speak. He had a supernatural occurrence, and he's no longer mute. He begins to speak. All the people are dumbfounded by this, and the fear of the Lord hits all of them, and they go tell everybody that Zachabeth, this power couple, Zachariah, who couldn't speak, now he can speak as soon as he said, and he uh, wrote the name John. And that's what's going on here. And they say, what kind of child is this? And he's going to be, obviously the Lord is with him. So now John the Baptist, you know, he's, he's born. Zachariah's mouth opens up. He's filled with the Holy Spirit when he does this. He starts to prophesy. Are you guys seeing what's going on here? It's just one supernatural occurrence after another. And this is just the prelude to the Christmas story. I'm just trying to get you to see this overwhelming evidence. And so then John the Baptist comes. I'm going to show you some pictures in a second here. John the Baptist, whenever he, he's known as the forerunner, uh, another way to say it is he's the one who points the way, right? And so there's several pictures here. Let's throw some of the pictures of John up here, okay? So whenever you see an art, uh, pictures like these old pictures, you're trying to figure out what disciple is it. it John is always the one pointing, to Jesus, okay? Isn't that a sick outfit that John has? Like, he's looking pretty fly right there, isn't he? Pretty hipster? Pretty hipster? So he's, and then and you see other pictures. Every time he's showing another one, he's pointing. See, there's the lamb. Okay, so, I don't know. He looks a little like he had too many cookies in that picture. But he's pointing, okay? And this is kind of symbolic. Here's another one of him. Um, he's pointing the way. That's the Messiah. He's the man. We're going to follow him, do whatever he says, you know. So, so John is this forerunner that has been uh, prophesied would come. Now he's here. He's on the scene, and he's going to point the way. And God is sending him 
uh, kind of as a sign of good news. And, and simultaneously, while that is happening, Zechariah, in this story, I don't think it pops with everybody, but he is selected out of this huge division, this priesthood of, of this, this huge priesthood. And in fact, he was one of 18,000 priests to perform this ceremony. They drew lots. And it just so happened that he draws his name on this day. It's a miracle. It was a supernatural occurrence. It was a divine moment. Some of the miracles here, again, uh, angel appears to Zechariah. Zechariah going mute, conceiving a baby in, the old, in, in his old age. He, Zacharbeth. John the Baptist filled with the Holy Spirit, leaping in the womb. Elizabeth being filled with the Holy Spirit. Zechariah speaking again, then being filled with the Holy Spirit. Then he prophesies. Mary conceiving supernaturally. All of this stuff, prelude to Christmas, okay? And so I want to go back and I want, now that we kind of see the whole story, now I want to pull some things that relate to you and that relate to me at Christmas time. In this story, you see this power couple struggling before the power is revealed. Zacharbeth, okay? They're, they're believing for what would be seen by man as impossible situations. Okay, they're old, they're advanced in years. How many feel advanced in years? We want to pray for you after the service today. Okay, uh, uh, he felt like he was just one of many. He's just a speck in a crowd, one of 18,000 ministers, okay? There's many, many in the natural, impossible situations that are opposing uh, Zacharbeth in this situation. And, and while that's going on, they're remaining, listen, faithful, righteous, and blameless, And I want to say something to you because sometimes you don't think it matters when you're faithful and when you're righteous and when you're blameless. Does anybody see? Does anybody notice? Is God paying attention to me? And the answer is yes, he is. Zacharbeth, this story, this power couple reveals to you and I that God hears your prayers and he always keeps his promises. Always. So don't vary. Don't, don't waver. Don't, uh, stay faithful. Don't surrender those things that you're believing for. This is a story to encourage us. This is something that's telling you to stay the course. It's worth it. In the end, it's always worth it. Can I have an amen? And so the angel appears to Zechariah, one of 18,000. He's burning incense before the Lord. He's presenting prayers on behalf of the people. That's his job in there. And maybe while he's presenting his prayers before the Lord, he's thinking, my prayers have not been answered. While I'm presenting people's prayers, in those moments, I'm still being faithful because my prayers haven't even been answered. Imagine the conditions or the circumstances that he was in. And he's, he's trying to be thankful. And then, and then God answers one of his three big prayers. Uh, he, he basically pulls him out of the crowd and he lets them do this service. So now he's, I'll reveal the three in a second, but he's got three things he's been believing God for that are impossible. And one out of 18,000, he gets selected. He draws the lot. That's incredible. And so he's in there. I thank you, God, that you've answered one of my prayers. Is it possible, is it still possible that these other prayers could be answered? I don't know because I'm advanced in years. I don't know because it's been so long and the Messiah has not yet come. And, and all that's going on in his head, he's, he's just moments before, he's 0 for 3. But God was about to make him 3 for 3. 
He's, if you've ever felt 0 for 3, you need to know something that God in a moment can make you 3 for 3 in Jesus' name. Can I have an amen? And so Zechariah prays for these three things. He prays to be picked as the people's priest. He prays to have a son or a daughter so he can be a dad and, and Elizabeth can be a mom. He prays that he would see the Messiah, the Savior. And this story so encourages me because he, he went from 0 for 3 to 3 for 3 in the presence of God. And, and you might be like that again. You might feel like, I'm not just 0 for 3, I'm 0 for 10. And I would just say, again, stay faithful. You need to, you need to do what, what we can see in this story. In order for God to intervene, you're going to have to believe God and trust God and remain faithful and see that there's more than the sentimental. There's a supernatural intervention of God that we need in our life. Now back to the story. Zachariah is not sure, the scripture says, how this is going to happen. And so he doubts God, right, in this story. He doubts, he doubts God's representative, Gabriel. And Gabriel basically says, hey, I don't know if you realize this, but I was in the throne of God himself. And I'm not here on my own power or on my own strength or on my own name. I'm here coming from the throne of God. I'm coming here with the strength of God. In other words, I've got some backup. In other words, this check is going to cash. Come on, somebody. You guys with me out there? But you didn't believe it, Zachariah. And because you didn't believe it, boop, I'm going to have to shut up your mouth. I'm going to have to clam you up. I'm going to have to turn your lip. I'm going to have to change things for you because I need to let you get your heart right. See, sometimes there'll be silence because God is getting your heart right. God is trying to do something inside of you before something outside of you can manifest in your life. And if you said something during that period or if God said something to you, you wouldn't be ready for it. And so sometimes he's just, mm, you're just going to, this, this is what you're doing. And this is what I want you to do right now. Okay, and so I'm shutting you up for a bit. This is so powerful. And Luke 1:19 says the angel of the Lord uh, uh, answered and said to him, "I'm Gabriel, who stand in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you and bring you these glad tidings." Verse 19. So I think we do the same thing, right? I think sometimes we're like Zechariah. We doubt God. How are you going to do this? Because I'm old and she's really old. How am I going to do this? How are you going to make this happen? Because it's been so long. I don't see the Messiah anywhere. I don't see anybody who's pregnant. How are you going to do this? There's 18,000 priests. I don't know how you're going to do this. I think we doubt God sometimes. And we need to be reminded to trust God that he's faithful even when we're unfaithful. And you need to trust God that he knows what he's doing. You need to know where Jesus is standing right now and believe his word, which says Jesus is standing at the right hand of the God, the Father, on your behalf. This is what it says. In fact, the same way that Gabriel was near God and, 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 and now he's near Zechariah, even more, Jesus is standing near God praying for you and wants to come near to you. In Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25, look at this. It says, consequently, speaking of Jesus, he is able to save to the uttermost. That means he can go as far as he needs to go. He can take it as far as it needs to go. He, he, he's able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him, that is Jesus, since he always lives. This is, this is his job, to make intercession for us. 
First John 2, 1 says, My little children, these things I write I unto you that ye sin not, but if ye sin, you have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He's your advocate. He's your lawyer. He's the one who makes intercession for you. He's the one who's in the very presence of God. And so if Jesus is in the presence of God, whatever Jesus says goes because he, Jesus is being backed up by God himself. Are you with me, everybody? Some of us need to forget about where we're standing. We need to be reminded of where Jesus is standing, who is your intercessor and who is your advocate. He's in. Jesus, not you, is in the place of power. And so just like Gabriel was in the place of power, bringing a word of power to Zechariah, Jesus, not an angel, Jesus is in the place of God, and he's standing in, near God right now in the place of power, and that power is available to you and I. So that means your impossible problem, your impossible situation, your, can be solved, can be solved because of this. You can have supernatural intervention. That means your wayward son uh, could come back to Jesus. Your wayward child could come back to Jesus. It means your backslidden spouse, your, your apathetic uh, spouse spiritually. Uh, it means your broken heart could be healed. All those things that are broken can be fixed in Jesus' name. It means diseases, and I speak this in Jesus' name over my church family. It means diseases can still be healed in Jesus' name. Not just in 2020, but in 2019. Can I have an amen? Uh, because, because God wants to, your setback can be a comeback. You've heard that phrase, but whatever's, whatever's been slowing you down, whatever's been dragging behind, whatever's been holding you back, God can turn that around. You can be 0 for 3 in a moment. You can be 3 for 3 if you hold on to the faithfulness of God, the promises of God. And so I want the prayer teams to get ready. In, in fact, I'm just going to ask them to come down a little early. I, I, I know there's many of you here that are going to help me today because we're going to have a little prayer service today. Amen? Because I think God wants to do, God wants to do something for you. I think that one of the ultimate gifts, the best present he can give. But let me give you a few more things here that's just so cool in this story as they're kind of coming close. It says this in Luke 1.13. It says the angel basically tells Zacharias something really unusual. Is everybody with me right now? Okay, so the angel tells Zachariah, he says, and you're going to call his name John. So I was looking this up. I was digging into this whole thing. And, and Zachariah and everybody knew how the naming thing works. You, you, you don't take... You don't, you take, the, you take the name of your father or someone in your family, someone in your lineage. You name your children after yourself. But in this story, God names his son and he names him John. When God names someone something, it underscores the significance of that someone. So obviously John's name had significance when God named him. Is everybody with me? Guess what John's name means? It means God is gracious. God is gracious. See, God wanted to underscore something. He wanted humanity. He wanted Zacchaeth. He wanted the people there to see the kind of God he is through John. He could have named John something kind of different. He could have, he could have given him a really rough name. He could have, you know, he could have told him, you know, uh, his name could have meant something like, I'm God and I'm really upset. You know what I mean? He could have, his name could have meant like, stop doubting me. But no, his name meant, I am gracious. That's the nature of God. And so, interestingly enough, uh, Zacharias in this situation, and it seems like no, nothing's happening, nothing's going to happen, no promises are going to be fulfilled. But Zachariah's name means the Lord will remember. And so God is basically saying, I never forgot those prayers. Every, in fact, every single one of them I'll bring to pass. I'll bring to fulfillment ultimately. I think this story is so cool because we get to see through these supernatural occurrences that it's not just a miracle, it's a miracle with a message. 
that God is gracious. It's a miracle that's trying to say to you and to, and to everybody else, I don't forget your concerns. Your, your, I, I hear your petitions, and as you present those, th- those things to me, they matter to me. And, and then it says, and you're going to call his name John, and here's what happens. When your source is God, there's always supernatural joy to follow. When the source is God, there's always supernatural joy. When you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you're always filled with joy. And it says this, and you'll call his name John, and you will have joy and gladness, the Bible says. You'll be filled with joy. You'll have gladness in your heart, supernatural joy. Anytime God uses, especially in the book of Luke, the, the word joy, it's always like, it's always huge. It's always big, whether you're talking about Zachariah, Elizabeth, uh, Mary, uh, Joseph. Anytime, it's always an outrageous joy. In fact, that word joy in the Greek, it means wild joy. It means ecstatic delight. It means exaltation. It means exhilaration. Behold, I bring you good news of great joy. It's like wild, exhilarating joy. When they, they weren't like, they weren't, they, they couldn't be controlled. They had so much joy. Because there was so much supernatural occurrences happening all around them. It was a party atmosphere all the time. It was huge. It was wild. It was exhilarating. It wasn't, shh, Merry Christmas. Shh, silent night. Holy night. No, 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 no. It was like, settle down, people. Settle down. We got to have church. Come on, calm down. I know you guys are all excited to see each other right now. I know you're all praising God. I know you're all sharing testimonies with each other about all the occurrences and all the amazing things that are happening. No, it's quiet down, quiet down. No, they couldn't be quieted down. They couldn't stop talking about what they had seen and what they had heard. There was so much joy because so many supernatural things were happening. But I believe it was because their expectations and their longing and their anticipation of the Savior coming to earth was so high. That it, that elevated the response, and, and God responded to that. What if we were walking around with that much joy? Turn to your neighbor and say, you need a little bit more joy today. Come on. What would people think if, you're, if you had so much joy, and it was on your face, and people looked at you and said, what are you smiling about? What's going on right there? What's going on right there? You seem to have that, like, are you pregnant? You know what I mean? You got like, no, you're a guy. Uh, you, you, what's that glow all about? Well, it's because this is the most joyful time of the year. Okay, well, did you get some good stuff for, for Christmas? No, no, no. I got, I got all that I could ever ask for. Well, what did you get? Well, I got salvation. <laughs> I, got the, I, and I got a corresponding joy with that salvation that I can't even explain because my debt is paid. You know what I mean? I owed a debt I could not pay. I was on death row. I don't know if you know what that really means, but it basically means I had an eternal debt that I couldn't pay. And this guy, Jesus, came from heaven to earth, not only to show me the way, but to make a way so I could be okay with him for eternity. That's why I got so much joy. And that all just came from a smile. Turn your neighbor and smile at them just a little bit. Come on. We need some more joy at Christmas. And so Zechariah, he's mute and he comes out. And what's interesting is when he comes out of the presence of God, again, he's supposed to speak a blessing over these people and he can't. And so somehow, I don't know how he does it, but through sign language or something, he tells his wife we're going to have a baby and he looks at her and he's like, you know, we're going to have a baby. And she's like, you know what I mean? Like, he's like, no, no, no. You know, I don't know. She freaked Wow. You know, and then music starts playing. Anyway, um, and so 
But she gets pregnant. He communicates. I don't know how that's going to happen. It's an incredible story. And then something supernatural happens here. And I want you to see maybe one more occurrence here that's just amazing. Get this. In this, in this story, I don't know if you see this, but two members of the Trinity have a play date. Okay? They're, they're, while they're both in the womb, Okay, so Luke 41, Luke 1, 44, excuse me, says, For indeed, as soon as the voice of your greeting sounded in my ears, the baby leaped in the womb for joy. So Mary comes near Elizabeth, <coughs> Zacharias is there, the power couple's there, and two members of the Trinity meet up on planet Earth for the first time. John was filled with the Holy Spirit in the womb, and Jesus is in the womb of Mary, and they're within inches of each other, and I think John is in the womb, and he's like, He's right there. He's right there. He's like pointing the way, flipping, doing jumping jacks. You know what I mean? It's an, I can't even explain this process. I don't even know what all of that means. And then Elizabeth begins to prophesy, and she's filled with joy. What if something supernatural happened to you at Christmas time? Like because of because you expected and believed God for something. Open, you opened a Christmas card. This is crazy. And you just got filled with the Holy Spirit because you opened a Christmas card. You know what I mean? Like you, 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 you were, you were in, you were in Christmas Eve services and you were singing a carol and you got vision in your gut, in your belly, and you were leaping with joy with vision because you, all of a sudden God cracked the code for something for you in your life that you couldn't see before, and he showed you what he wanted you to do. What if it wasn't just some nostalgic experience, some sentimental, comfortable, cozy experience? What if you were filled with, in the holidays, supernatural joy? What if that happened? You couldn't even explain it. I don't even know why I'm so, you had revelation about what God did for you. It wasn't about the presence you got. It wasn't about what you didn't get. It wasn't about what you have or don't have. It was something that came from within because you've experienced the source of joy in a supernatural way. I want to raise your expectations to believe more for God. Where's my prayer team? Come on down here, right up front. I thought you guys were going to be here an hour ago. I would have stopped preaching a long time ago if you were up here. <clears throat> here's, here's what I want you to think about. Church, are you getting something out of this today? I've been believing and praying for our church family. I don't want you to close your heart to believe in God for more. I don't want you to mail it in right now. Do you know what I mean? Like, don't mail it in. Don't give up on what, on what God's... If you're not believing for something, you should be. If you're not believing for something, you need prayer for that. Because you should be believing God. You should, have, you should have a top three. What am I believing God for? I'm not talking about just these bottom-of-the-barrel prayers. I'm talking about some big prayers. And while you're believing God, I'm telling you to remain faithful, to never surrender, to continue to be blameless, to be righteous before God, because he sees that. And maybe your request when you come, I'm going to ask you to come. Literally, if you're in the balcony, you're here in this room, I'm going to ask people, we're just going to, we're going to end this service with just an altar call. Okay, it's an old school, just come down, come as you are. Come with your prayer request. Maybe you need your prayer request needs to be that, you know what? I need the supernatural joy of God. I don't have it. And God wants to give you supernatural joy. Maybe you need a word from God, a personal word from God. Maybe you need him to kind of speak to you on the inside, like I said, and give you vision. Maybe you need a breakthrough because you just, you've been under something. It could be a financial or physical or mental oppression of some kind, and you need a breakthrough. I believe miracles still happen in this, in this, in this, in this season at Christmas time. This is one of the best times, Christmas time, to receive something supernatural, because the first Christmas had nothing but supernatural. 
occurrence after occurrence after occurrence. And I want some of that back. How many want some of that back in Jesus' name? Amen? I want you to stand to your feet. I'm going to pray for you. Everybody stand up. And I'm going to do a general prayer. And then, like, literally, this is the end of the service, okay? So I'll just say it like this. Uh, is there any, I know there'll be some wrap-up after me, so nobody leave, I guess. I just thought about that. Um, but, but we're going to just take a, just a few minutes. I'm going to pray over all of you. And then I'm going to say, as God leads you, just come down front and receive prayer. A lot of people will go to a hospital, they'll go to a doctor with a problem, and they'll wait for hours. Hours and hours and hours. And sometimes we can't even wait in a line for just a minute or two or three or even get to uh, a prayer line because we don't see the source right. We don't see that the ultimate physician, the ultimate solution the ultimate power is not in these people here, but it's in the name that's above every name. It's through Jesus' name that we have access to the Father, and it's through Jesus' name that we have authority over our circumstances and our situations. Can I have an amen? So with every head bowed, every eye closed, my message is concluded. Father, I just pray that for every person that came here today, it wouldn't be an accident. Lord, I wanted something special to transpire that has, goes beyond my words or what I could say or what I could share. This is really it's a simple message because it's just your word. All we had to do is just tell the story. Tell the Christmas story and all the amazing things that you've done. All the amazing things I believe you still want to do. And I pray that you would raise expectations, that you would elevate people's faith in this room today. I believe that the world sometimes is more open to the supernatural than the Christian church is. Lord, forgive us of that in Jesus' name. We repent, Lord God, of our unbelief and our doubt, Lord. We don't want to be like Zechariah where we say, how are you going to do this? How are you going to do this? Lord, we cancel that question. We cast it down in Jesus' name. We put a stop payment to our doubts and to our unbelief and to our lack of faith. Lord, raise our faith in Jesus' name. As we come for prayer in these prayer lines, Lord, I pray the expectancy to our answered prayer. We're not going to talk a long time about our problem. We're going to just present our concern, our request, and we're going to believe God that he is supernaturally going to answer, that he is going to provide, that he is going to solve, that he is going to heal, that he is going to save in Jesus' name. Every person that comes before you in full faith, Every person that comes before you with expectation and longing in their heart. Now, for every person, Lord, that's here today that knows that God is speaking to them, I pray, Lord, that you would show them, what is that thing that I put on the back burner? What is that thing that I've surrendered? What is that thing that I, that I, that I sometimes give up on? Lord, bring that right now to the forefront of their mind. Because, Lord, we're not just going to go into uh, the end of the year mailing it in. Lord, we're believing that God is going to do something uh, this morning, that God is going to do something on December 22nd, 2019. And we'll look back on this day and say that it was more than a sentimental Christmas. It was a supernatural, supernatural Christmas.